today we're going to open up God's Word. And if you want to get a, a set of the notes to follow along in this morning's talk, uh, you can do that on our church website. They're posted on the video player. Or if you're watching on the Live Church Facebook, there's a link to these notes in the comments section. So I brought my notes with me, and you can follow along with your notes. We can have that cool connection. Also, I brought my Bible. If you don't have a Bible, go ahead and get it, because we're going to read out of it uh, in just a few moments. And uh, it's, it's a cool thing to have a Bible in these days, and of course, reading it is very cool. So, back in May of 2002, Leonardo Diaz was a Colombian hiker, and he decided to do some serious mountain climbing with some friends, and their goal was to reach the summit in the Andes Mountains. But on the second day, a blizzard, man, blew in out of nowhere unexpectedly, and Diaz lost sight of his friends, and they became separated And although he wasn't initially worried, the climbers soon began to run out of rations and suffer from the bitter cold. Although he had a cell phone in his backpack, his prepaid minutes had already expired. That's not good news. So there was no way for him to signal for help. And um, that's when Diaz began to realize, you know what, I'm not going to make it out of here alive. So as he's in the snow... Preparing to die, his cell phone began to ring. Now, do you think he would answer that cell phone? (laughs) If we took a vote this morning, I would say, man, I sure hope hope he would answer it. And, uh, of course, he did. He made a wise decision. So it happened to be a phone solicitor um, from Colombia wanting to know if Diaz was interested in purchasing some more minutes. What do you think he said? Of course, of course. And the phone rep said, we called him to remind him that his cell phone was out of minutes, and he told us I was an angel because he was lost in the Andes. And Diaz began to describe his location in the mountains, and he asked his family to be notified. Um, The cell phone operator, of course, could tell that Diaz, from the sound of his voice, that hypothermia was beginning to settle in. And, um, and so they call him every 30 minutes to keep him awake and to keep giving him hope for his survival. Well, seven hours later, rescuers arrived and Leonardo Diaz was rescued. And was he forever grateful? Now, what, of course, we get these phone calls all the time during the day, don't we? Uh, soliciting for different uh, venues or whatever. And those tend to be a nuisance, but this nuisance call actually saved Diaz's life. Um, just, a, just a thought, Romans 10.13, we're told that everybody who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Just like Diaz got that phone call that literally saved his life, God knows exactly where you are. If you're stranded in the mountains somewhere, if you're lost in life, You know, if you're wandering right now because of the coronavirus, God knows exactly what you're going through. He knows exactly where you are, and he's calling your name. He's speaking. You know, with this uh, coronavirus right now, we could call it a divine pause. I don't know about you, but, uh, man, life is kind of mixed up. You know, everything that was normal 
isn't there anymore. And so what I think is God has given you and I an opportunity with this divine pause where he's calling you, he's calling me. Life has been busy and it gets pretty wild at times. And so he's getting our attention. And the most important thing is that God wants to have a relationship with you. That's what's most important. And sometimes we allow things to get in the way with that relationship. Maybe we push God away because we want to run our lives the way we want to. But God is calling right now. And I want to encourage you to take full advantage of this divine pause in your life and my life. And that we'll listen to what God is saying. Because he's calling. He's he's calling your name. So, this morning we're going to take a look at Mark chapter 10. Verses 46 through 52. And so if you have your Bibles, let's take a look at it. I'm going to start reading right at verse 46. Then they, that's Jesus and the disciples, reached Jericho. And as Jesus and his disciples left town, a large crowd followed him. A blind man named Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, was sitting beside the road. And when Bartimaeus heard that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And when Jesus heard him, he stopped and said, tell him to come here. So they called the blind man. Cheer up, they said. Come on, he's calling you. And Bartimaeus threw aside his coat, jumped up, and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you, Jesus asked. My rabbi, the blind man, said, I want to see. And Jesus said to him, go, for your faith has healed you. Instantly the man could see, and he followed Jesus down the road. Now you may have noticed that I skipped a verse there. That's verse 48. And here's the deal. Bartimaeus was shouting to get Jesus' attention. And in verse 48, it says, be quiet. So in the midst of this shouting from Bartimaeus, It says many of the people yelled at him, Bartimaeus, to be quiet. But he only shouted louder, son of David, have mercy on me. So when you get into that environment, there's a lot of noise, isn't there? You've got Bartimaeus shouting and you've got the crowd yelling at him to shut up. (laughs) So uh, you talk about chaotic. Well, that's exactly what's going on here. Before we go on, let's talk to the Lord and uh, just commit these next moments to him. Father, thank you for your word. We thank you for this true story that happened years ago. And Jesus, as we are going through a personal crisis in our lives and around the world, we realize our need for you. Bartimaeus realized that when he was sitting on the side of the road. He needed you, Lord. So help us this morning as we rest in this divine pause, as you speak. May we listen, and Lord, may we obey. In your great name we pray, amen. Well, Jesus and his disciples had come into the city of Jericho, it says. Where were they going? They were on their way to Jerusalem. So they're on their way to Jerusalem for what? Jesus is about to be crucified. It's just days away. He's moving quickly towards the cross. And when he finally reaches Jerusalem, 
he will enjoy the first Palm Sunday. And that's what today is. It's Palm Sunday. (laughs) Do you have your palms with you? (laughs) So Jesus would enjoy that, that triumphal entry, when the crowds praised him as their Messiah. But you know what something strange happened? Within a week's time, that same crowd told Jesus to be crucified. They didn't want anything to do with him. That's kind of how people's nature is, isn't it? We're so quick one way, we're so quick the other way. Unfortunately for Christ, uh, he saw people's nature right firsthand in Jerusalem. So Jesus knows what's ahead of him. He's heading to Jerusalem. He knows he's going to be betrayed. He knows he's going to be tortured and nailed to a cross to carry the sins of the world. Man, that's a brutal thought, and it was for him. And yet when he's walking on this road in Jericho, one man gets his attention. And it's not that Jesus says, you know what, I'm so preoccupied, I've got uh, more serious things to think about. He hits the pause button, and he deals with Bartimaeus. So number one in your notes, Jesus on the move. Verse 46a, then they reached Jericho, and as Jesus and his disciples left town, a large crowd followed him. They reached Jericho. Now that we have a map here, and you can take a look, that uh, Jericho is 18 miles northeast of Jerusalem. It's five miles west of the Jordan, and it's a beautiful city, which is pretty cool. Now, There's actually two cities called Jericho. The old city was in ruins. It was a mile away. This new city uh, is a place where Herod the Great built a lavish winter palace. Why? Because it was a a very nice area to live. Um, For all of you that grew up in Sunday school, you may remember uh, Joshua fought the Battle of Jericho. Should we sing it together? Joshua fought the battle of Jericho, Jericho, Jericho. Joshua fought the battle of Jericho, and the walls came tumbling down. That's good singing. Very good, very good. That's not the city we're talking about. (laughs) That's the one that's in ruins. So if you want to take a mile trip, we'll go to the new uh, Jericho, and that's where Jesus is. That's where Bartimaeus is, and Jesus is is on the move. You know, in this um, divine pause that we talked about earlier, um, Jesus is on the move even during this coronavirus. You you, you can't hold Jesus back. I've got an article here um, that came out last week titled, Most Americans Say the Coronavirus Outbreak Has Impacted Their Lives. More than half have prayed for an end to the virus's spread. Now check this out. As the number of confirmed COVID-19 cases continues to rise in schools, workplaces, and public gathering spaces across the United States remain closed, a new Pew Research Center survey finds that the coronavirus outbreak is having profound impacts on the personal lives of Americans in a variety of ways. What's that look like? Well, the virus has impacted Americans' religious behaviors. More than half of all U.S. adults say they have prayed for an end to the spread of the coronavirus. Large majorities of Americans who pray daily 
and of United States Christians have taken to prayer during the outbreak, but so have some who say they seldom or never pray, and people who say they do not belong to any religion. Also, a similar share reports having watched religious services online or on TV instead of attending in person. So what's this about, man? People are open to what Jesus is doing. Jesus is on the move. He's talking to people. He's making himself known, and people are listening. So, number one, Jesus is on the move. Number two, a desperate man, verse 46b. A blind beggar, Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, was sitting beside the road. When Bartimaeus heard that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And then many people said, be quiet. Or we could modernize and say, shut up, as they yelled at him. But he only shouted louder, son of David, have mercy on me. Bartimaeus, we'll call him Bart for short, was sitting on the sidelines of life. How many times had Bart camped on the side of the road? Because that's what the text says. He's sitting beside the road. Nobody knows for sure. I did a little research. Um, I got my calculator out and I figured, okay, let's take 365 days um, minus 52 Sabbaths times 20 years. So let's just say 20 years. Bart's been sitting on the side of the road. And on the Sabbath, he would stay home or go somewhere else. That would come out to 6,260 times. I think we'd all say that's a lot. Those are a lot of times sitting on the side of the road. You kind of get into a habit of doing that, don't you? This is where I go. This is where I belong. I'm on the sidelines. I'm on the side of the road. Nobody notices me. But today, this day that we're talking about, Something's going to happen. And the chances were that um, Bart was yelling to the crowd. He heard, he could hear the steps of the people. He could hear the conversations going on as the people were passing by. And he had this familiar cliche, alms for the poor. That's how he earned a living. Couldn't have a job, then he gets support from the government That's why he went on the side of the road every day where people would feel sorry for him and throw money into his coat. And so Bart was a man who had very little going for him. And it seemed like, man, uh, there wasn't any hope for him for any kind of a change to break this cycle of life. And so um, sitting beside the road was a common picture outside of this wealthy Jericho. You know, a lot of people would walk through Jericho on the way to Jerusalem. And this, at this particular time, the Passover was coming up. So you had a lot of traffic on the road. It was a busy road. It was a great place for Bart to make some money. So, verse seven forty-seven changes everything. Bart hears that Jesus is in the crowd. <laughs> he gets excited. His priorities begin to change, and he begins shouting with passion, and he realizes... Man, my life can change. There is hope. Jesus is passing by. I wonder how long he had been waiting for that to happen. So with this large crowd on the road, um, 
Somebody might have said, hey, Jesus is walking with us, or, um, or um, this must be the Messiah, and he's coming. That, that conversation caught his ears. Being a blind person, your, your sense of hearing is very, very good. And so he was able to pick up on those conversations. And um, this large crowd that followed him would translate normally that he would make a great day uh, earning some a lot of money because of this great crowd, a large crowd. But you want to know something, that's not the priority in his life right now. Because he stopped yelling alms for the poor. And instead he starts yelling, Jesus, have mercy on me. You see that? He's more concerned about Jesus than he is in earning an income. And so, verse 47, when Bartimaeus heard that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And so, Bart could have very easily thought, you know what, I'm blind. I'm not worthy for Jesus to deal with my life. He could have had a litany of reasons why he should remain quiet. But he didn't allow those excuses to paralyze him. Sometimes we allow excuses to paralyze us, don't we? When we can be reaching out to God. Even during this time, we have opportunities to do that. And so this, this morning, just like Bart, this is an opportunity for you to seize that moment with Jesus Christ. Because he is here. Man, he is with you. He's speaking to you. So somebody had asked blind and deaf Helen Keller years ago, isn't it terrible to be blind? And this was her response. Better to be blind and see with your heart than to have two good eyes and see nothing. And that's the way it was with Bart. Bart had time to think without visual distractions, just like you and I have time to think now with this coronavirus with this divine pause hitting the fan, we have time to think. Is it well with your soul? And Bart was asking those deep questions, man. How is it with my soul? And so realizing his need for Jesus and hearing that Jesus is in the crowd, that's what motivated him to explode with the volume, calling out in that great name. Um. Jesus was near, but, Je- but Bart had to call out to him to get his attention. Now, Jesus knew Bart was there, you know. He knew it. But he was, Jesus was waiting to see if Bart was desperate enough to call on him. Jesus, have mercy on me. Just like many of us, many of you, are praying for the United States. Jesus, have mercy on our country. We need your help. We need your healing over this virus. Well, that's exactly kind of what was going on in in Bart's life. We, too, have to take responsibility for our, our lives and call out to Jesus because he's waiting for us to make that call. A few years ago, a TV crew from Animal Planet was filming a scene on a deserted island in the South Pacific and suddenly, the crew spotted a man yelling and waving his arms in the distance. And he was a genuine castaway. He was a stranded fisherman suffering dehydration and sunstroke. And this man, who had been stranded on the island, had given up hope. 
He said his prayers to the Lord. Lord, it's over. I'm not going to make it. And he was prepared to die. But the crew rescued him, and they actually made a television program out of his experience getting lost on that island. Well, none of us like to be stuck on an island somewhere, but the Lord knows where you are. He knows how to rescue us, just like that man was rescued. Yeah? Just like Leonardo Diaz was rescued, he finds us right where we're at. Now notice, in the midst of this yelling that Bart is, is presenting to the Lord to get his attention, there's pushback from the crowd that's walking with Christ. Verse 48a, it says, Be quiet, many of the people yelled at him. And even though Jesus was walking by, there was resistance uh, to Bart making a connection with Christ. And there are times in your life and my life, hey, let's be honest. You know, we've, we started to think about maybe, maybe I should get my life together by surrendering to the Lord. And then you've got voices on the outside that, nah, you don't want to do that. You know, you don't want to be a holy roller. But listen, Bart was so desperate the crowd that was yelling back at him, that was pushing back at him, hoping that he would stop shouting at Jesus, he didn't give up. That's how you and I need to live our lives, man. Who's, who's yelling at our, into our lives? Who are we allowing to speak into our lives? You know, When our heart is saying, you need to move closer to Christ, you need to, be, you need to make that next step with Jesus. Well, those voices can paralyze us. And so we need to be aware that even though those shouts are going on, we need to persevere in that step with Christ. So was it risky for Bart to ignore these negative people? Absolutely. That was his income, you know. He stopped saying, hey, money for, for a blind man here. Instead, he's yelling to Jesus, yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to cost him big time. He realizes those are the same people that would put money in his basket. So, yeah, it was a big decision. And, son of David, have mercy on me. Son of David, that's an interesting term that he uses. It's the first time that it's ever used in the book of Mark. And the fact is that Bart called Jesus the son of David shows that he recognized that Jesus was, in fact, the Messiah. He was the Son of God. That's pretty cool. And it's interesting that even this crowd that was following behind Jesus, they didn't refer to him as the Son of David. They're just following along because that was a cool thing to do. Bart, for some reason, there was, a, there was that divine connection. There was a divine moment in his life where he realized that Jesus was who he said he was. And so... This morning, I want to encourage you to press on with Christ, even if there's pushback around you. Number three, Jesus stops to call. Look at verse 49. When Jesus heard him, he stopped and said, tell him to come here. And so they called the blind man. Cheer up, they said. Come on, he's calling you. <laughs> oh, man, this is, this is kind of funny. Notice, Jesus doesn't tell Bart to come. He tells the people that were yelling at Bart to shut up to come. 
You see that? Jesus is messing with these people. And he's saying, you go tell them to come. Jesus was trying to make a point here. Instead of telling Bart to come, he tells those people that were screaming at him, uh, come on, come on. So they called the blind man. Cheer up, they said. Come on, he's calling you. What a moment of decision. Bart has a decision to make, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. If he leaves that spot on the side of the road, he's giving up his income. If he follows after Christ, he's putting his life at risk. He believes Jesus can heal him, but will it happen? Well, do I go or not go? That's the same decision you and I have to make on a daily basis. Do I follow after Christ or don't I? You know? What obstacles would stop you? Your friends, uh, maybe addictions, that's inhibiting you from making that next step. Well, Jesus is calling. Do I go or not? Number four, come as you are. Look at verse 50. Bartimaeus threw aside his coat, jumped up, and came to Jesus. Now, here's a good question. Why didn't Jesus walk to where Bart was? You know, if you had the news cameras out there, cable news was out there, they would say, man, Jesus was so hard-hearted. You know, he, he should have walked over to where Bart was. No. There was something between Bart and Jesus, and that was his security blanket. Uh, notice in verse 50, it says he threw aside his coat. A beggar's coat was the most important thing that they owned in their lives. It was their sleeping bag at night. It was what they covered themselves during the day. That's the, the coat is where people would throw the money. It was the livelihood of beggars. And so when Bart made that decision to come as he was, that coat was his security blanket for years and years. Man, that went wherever he went. That's where all the money came in. And so he had a decision. I need to come to Jesus as I am. And so that coat could have restricted him. It could have paralyzed him from moving to where Jesus was, but no. Even as the blind man, it says, Bartimaeus threw aside his coat, jumped up, and he came to Jesus. I don't know about you, man, but that really encourages me. Is there anything holding you back this morning? Do you have a coat? Do you have a security blanket that's preventing you from jumping up and following Christ? Well, number five, know your need. Look at verse 51. What do you want me to do for you, Jesus asked. My rabbi, the blind man said, I want to see. You know what's interesting? What do you want me to do for you? Do you think Jesus needed to know what Bart needed at that time? Jesus knew he was blind. No. And Bart knew that he was blind. Jesus wanted Bartimaeus to communicate exactly what he wanted Jesus to do. He wanted Bart to put it in his own words. That's what we need to do. Lord, we can be very transparent. We can be honest. And keep in mind that Bart was yelling at Jesus to get his attention. When was the last time you yelled to get Jesus' attention? Huh? 
to cry out to him, to say, Lord, I need help. Well, Chuck Colson used to work for politicians years ago, and he had a reputation of being a brutal man. He said, on the night when he put his faith in Jesus Christ, he writes this, that night when I sat alone at my car, my own sin, not just dirty politics, but the hatred and evil so deep within me, was thrust before my eyes forcefully and painfully. And for the first time in my life, I felt unclean. And worst of all, I could not escape. In those moments of clarity, I found myself driven irresistibly into the arms of the living and loving God. Isn't that cool? Yeah. Chuck Colson, man, people hated this dude. He was mean. He was nasty. And here he's alone with God, just like Bart on the side of the road, realizing he needed a Savior. Chuck Colson realized, man, I am a sinful man. And sin will keep me away from a holy God. And so he put his faith in Christ. And here we have Bart's cry, have mercy on me. Jesus already knew. He wanted to see. And so, rabbi, that's an interesting word. It means my dear master, my rabbi, Bart says. My rabbi, my dear master, my Lord and my master. You see, Bart had already put his faith in Christ. Something about Jesus, even just minutes being around him, you realize your need for him. And that's what happened with Bart. We see in the beginning, Bart had earlier told Jesus, have mercy on me in verses 47 and 48. And now in verse 51, he says, I want to see. That's what I want. What do you need from Jesus this morning? What has God's Spirit been speaking to you about today? His peace, his comfort, salvation, having a relationship with Christ? You have that opportunity. And number six, follow Jesus for life. Look at verse 52. And Jesus said to him, go for your faith has healed you. You might want to underline that word healed because literally... In the Greek, it means saved. Your faith has saved you. In other words, Bart putting his faith in Christ as his personal Savior, that's what healed him spiritually, and it healed him physically. And we see instantly the man could see, and he followed Jesus. He followed him down the road. Man, he followed him down the road. I recently had a conversation with somebody and uh, I was talking about my relationship with the Lord and I said, you know, I want to finish strong. I said, I've known people, you know, they kind of come and go spiritually, but I want to finish strong. I want to cross the finish line on go for God. And I kind of, I get the same idea here with Bart, it says instantly he could see and he followed Jesus down the road. You see, it's easy to follow down the road, but what about the finish line? Hmm? What about the finish line? How's that going for you this morning? Well, scholars say the reason why Mark preserved Bart's name in Mark 10 
is because Bart became a stalwart in the Jerusalem church. He had a long history with being a man of God. And so what can we learn from his story? Well, we can say what the crowd said at Jesus' request. Cheer up, they said. Come on, he's calling you. Yeah, so we can cry out to Jesus, first of all. Maybe even this morning you can do that. You can say, Lord, have mercy on me. Just like Bart said that. The same way Chuck Colson said, Lord, have mercy on me. I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. And the second thing is, tell him what you need. Jesus, I am a sinner, and I need your forgiveness for my sin. Now, Jesus was passing through Jericho. You want to know something? That was the last time. That was the last time he went through Jericho. What if Bart had not responded to him then? Well, verse 52, Jesus said to him, Go, for your faith has healed you. Instantly the man could see, and he followed Jesus down the road. And so Bart was saved not only physically, but spiritually. And he followed Jesus. He followed Jesus. Are you following Jesus this morning? Are you pursuing him? Are you living for him day by day? How do, what, what does that look like to finish strong? That simply means today I'm going to live for Christ. Tomorrow, a brand new day. Today, I'm going to live for Christ. And what you find is after a week, after a month, after a year, after a decade, boom, it starts adding up. Day by day, you follow after Christ. And so this morning, I just want to encourage you, this coronavirus, when it passes, when it's over, are you going to go back to the way you used to live? Busy, hectic, Jesus gets put on the side burner. You know, that's easy to do. Bart followed after Christ for a lifetime. That's what the heart of God is. He wants you to follow after him because he loves you so much. And this morning, if you would like to put your faith in Christ, just like Chuck Colson did, just like Bart on the side of the road, you can invite him into your life. And as we pray right now, you can... You can uh, Repeat after me these words by opening up your life and inviting Jesus Christ to become your spiritual leader. Dear Lord, I acknowledge that I am a sinner. I believe you, Jesus, died for my sins on the cross and that you rose again on the third day. So by faith, I receive you, Lord Jesus, as my Savior, and I place my trust in you. You promised to save me, and I believe you, because you are God, and you cannot lie. I believe right now that you, Jesus, am my Savior, and that all my sins are forgiven through your precious blood. I desire to follow you for life with your Spirit's help. So thank you, Lord, for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, if you... Just prayed that prayer. Man, I celebrate that choice, that decision that you just made. I want to encourage you to contact lifechurchmh.com and we'll get you more information on what it means to be a follower of Christ, how you can grow in your faith day by day. God bless you. Have a great day. Amen.